Hey guys, Marcia here. I know that we promised our mid-season premiere today. In light of everything that's going on with our brothers and sisters in the New Orleans area, we thought that we would instead offer this episode where we have a conversation with Dr. Ansel Augustine, a man who has lived through and survived Hurricane Katrina and now the most recent one, um, we want to we wanted to sit in conversation with him, talk to him about his life in New Orleans, about his hometown, what he loves about being a Black Catholic in the New Orleans, and ways that we can help his hometown of New Orleans and all the people of Louisiana who find themselves struggling right now. Please enjoy this episode that we recorded today, September 9th, on the feast day of St. Peter Cleaver. And we will be back next week with our mid-season premiere where we discuss Brandy Cinderella with Chanel Shaw. Enjoy. Welcome to Plaid Skirts and Basic Black, the Black Catholic podcast that looks at culture, pop culture, and faith, all while sipping on a PSL. Maybe a pumpkin cream cold brew. Maybe that. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm Marcia, the co-host who's got Evermore spinning on vinyl because it's just not fall without Taylor Swift on repeat. I'm also joined, as always, by my co-host Shannon, who's building a very large, possibly dangerous bonfire while wearing a similarly giant infinity scarf. True. It's basic season, y'all. Welcome to fall. Yes. We want to welcome a very special guest today. He's the former director of Black Catholic Ministries for the Archdiocese of New Orleans, for the exec- former executive director of cultural diversity and outreach for the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C., a past NCYC keynote speaker, a faculty member at the Institute for Black Catholic Studies at Xavier University of Louisiana, as well as professor at the Loyola University of New Orleans Institute for Ministry. What we're saying is we have a Black Catholic OG in the house. Please welcome to the show, Dr. Ansel Augustine. Hello! Hey, everybody. (laughs) Glad to be here. We are we are so excited to have you here. We're like, it is the Black Catholic. <laughs> no, it's not. Don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that. There are many Black Catholics. Yeah, there are yeah, many yeah. Black no one. I'm just saying. I'm, yeah. just saying. <laughs> I, I'm not me if it wasn't for the people that came before me. Let's put it like that. So Amen. you know, you are not wrong. So you're not saying you're Jordan. You are no. saying that you are in fact LeBron. Nope. <laughs> Like, but still no, but still right. no. <laughs> right. You know, don't put me on pedestals because that's when they can kick you down. So no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> so, Angela, before we start, I have three questions for you. All right. Number one. Well, we answered. Are you black? Yeah. Well. <laughs> yes. Yes. And we've answered this one too. Are you Catholic? Yes. And two for two. And to quote my mentor, uh, Brian, uh, Father Brian Massengill, I want to say I'm radically black and Catholic. Yes. Oh. Yes. Yes. That's him. That's 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 what I stand on their shoulders. Yes. I love it. I love it. So, Ansel, mm-hmm. what is the most basic thing about you? <laughs> now that we had the orientation and y'all helped me understand what the term basic means in regards to this podcast. <laughs> I love those. Uh, I love Marvel movies. You know, mm-hmm. I love movies, period. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's my getaway from reality sometimes just to be with myself. And I'm an introvert at heart. Mm-hmm. So um, just trying to be by myself. Some movies, Marvel movies are my go to thing now. OK, 
I love it. See, everybody's got a little basic. I'm mm-hmm. just saying. So thank you for sharing that with us. Ansel, mm-hmm. now that we've gotten to know those three super important things about you as it pertains mm-hmm. to this podcast, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit more about yourself. Okay. Well, New Orleans is my home. Uh, St. Peter Claire is my home church. And today is the feast day of St. Peter Claire as we record this. Um, yes. And, um, you know, I think for me, the most important thing about me, the most important people in my life are the young people from my neighborhood. Our church school, unfortunately, is closed. Mm-hmm. But uh, our neighborhood and trying to create, um, I don't think I'm something, some martyr or anything, you know, great person or anything, doing anything great. All I'm doing is what those that came before me did and creating a better world and hopefully a better church for those coming after me so they could share their gifts in their own authentic way. So that's it. You know, I've lived, not to say many lives, I'm living one life, but have, you know, different right. experiences throughout my life. But in and all of that, you know, God has been the central and he has guided me to where I'm at now. Wonderful. That's awesome. Yeah. You live one life. You are not a cat on this Zoom call, <laughs> like that lawyer in that no. viral video. <laughs> I, I'm ready to go forward. <laughs> Have you seen that video, Ansel? No. About there is this guy. He's like, it's court. It's an, on Zoom. And the filter on his Zoom is a cat. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I'm not a cat. And everyone's like, we know. So anyway. <laughs> So now that we've a little bit about you, let's find out what the weather is in everyone's neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. Shannon, how is the weather in your neck of the woods? Yeah, so I'm calling my weather today pleasant, but very windy. There's a lot of there's a lot of things blowing. Um, so like life is good. There's a lot of fun things. I've got kids like in sports, outdoor sports again, and like doing stuff. And I am blessed with work. But like, there's a lot of balls in the air. So just trying to like stay upright while the wind is blowing, even though it's sunny and warm. Um, Also, it's going to be super hot here in the Midwest this week. So I'm not looking forward to that. We have soccer games and baseball games this weekend with kids. And I'm just going to have to sit out in 90 degree weather in the sun and sweat. No, no. How much I, mean, I love my children because I'm a fair weather fan of everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are a Sox fan, but I'm foam cheese. Rude. Ah! Rude. I set myself up just, for that just, one. Just <laughs> I just you like to know. point out that some teams won the World Series before a century and a half. <laughs> But some teams want it more recently. For those who don't understand, Shannon and I both are on different sides of the Chicago baseball mm-hmm. spectrum. Mm-hmm. I am a Cubs fan. Shannon's a Sox fan. It's come up before. Some people make mistakes. Some people aren't perfect, Shannon. It's okay. It's fine. So oh, it's, going my weather, it's going down later. <laughs> my weather, <laughs> it's mild and sunny. So like I'm feeling like it's things are calming down and I'm feeling the seasons change and I know the transition is coming and that's kind of how like my wardrobe is transitioning my kids are transitioning you know like every like life is getting different so that's kind of what it's just I'm just kind of taking in stride so Ansel what's what about the weather what's your weather in your neck of the woods all right well presently I'm evacuated still from Hurricane Ida in Montgomery Alabama and here right now is hot and sunny. And so, you know, hot being all the stuff we're trying to do and all the meetings I have trying to help get some stuff together back home for especially those that are most uh, most at need and most vulnerable. Uh, but sunny, 
knowing that God is going to bring us through this and this too shall pass. So just going through the motions as hard as it is, mm-hmm. uh, knowing that there's a, a light at the end of the tunnel, that sun from the sun. Hey, 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 hey look at this. He's catching on, Shannon. He's hey. catching on. <laughs> Can be taught. <laughs> Love it. So now that we have learned about weather and you and your basicness, now that you understand what that is, we want to know a little bit more about you. And you you hit like every point of our show, pop culture, black culture, Catholic culture. Right. So <laughs> Before we talk about your hometown of New Orleans, Ansel, Mm -hmm. we need to talk about something very important that I learned about you, that some point in the 99s and 2000s, you might have helped take over. You might have have helped take over in the 99s and 2000s. For those of you who don't know what that means, that is some Black culture and pop culture intersection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Ansel, tell us about your time with Cash Money Records. (laughs) So picture it, Sicily, 19, no, let me stop. Um, <laughs> no, I, um, so growing up, you know, I, you know, I wanted to be a DJ <clears throat> and I worked in radio, did black parties in the projects in just different parts of New Orleans when I was younger, uh, towards high school sometime and early part of college, I was working at a couple of radio stations, one of which was our big radio station in New Orleans, Q93, as an intern and street team doing everything, right? And there were these groups of people that just hung out at the radio station, artists and people wanting a record deal or people that were involved in it. And one of them was Cash Money Records. Um, you know, Manny, BG, all of them, they were just there, mm-hmm. you know, along with other artists, you know, they had big record labels in New Orleans at the time, No Limit, uh, the local label, Big Boy Records, and then Cash Money was up and coming. And so all of a sudden I started doing stuff with them, um, you know, uh, just random stuff, DJ stuff, this, that, and the other, nothing big. But then I decided to leave the music industry to focus on school. I was at Loyola undergrad at the time. And I was like, look, you know, my TD was going to whoop my butt because I wasn't able to go to classes like I need to. And I thought, right, uh-huh. let me just get my stuff together, do what I need to do. And the next thing I know, these fools get a major deal. But I'm happy and I'm blessed. And, you know, I ain't hate. You know, and I was happy to see my people on there. I was, I ain't going to say which ones. I was, uh, made cameos in a couple of videos uh, and different things like that. And we're still friends. So me and Manny Amazing. still communicate. Uh, Juvie, whenever I see him, it's nothing but love. In fact, it's funny, 16 years ago, I was evacuated in Texas for Hurricane Katrina. Mm-hmm. And uh, Juvenile was doing these car show um, concerts. And he came to the where I was at in uh, Texas. And he made sure to reach out to me because he heard I was there and I was on the tour bus with them and just hanging with them before the show. So it's just that kind of love and um, camaraderie that's still there. Uh, during college years, uh, me and some of my fraternity brothers created this entertainment company, Ice Cold Entertainment, where we did um, after parties for step shows or after parties for Bayou Classic or events that were mm-hmm. going on in the city. And uh, <laughs> some of the cash money folks, God bless them, would show up with like, 40 people deep talking about we can get in free. Come on, preach. That's what they call me. Preach. I say, right. No, you know what I'm saying? I say, like, Y'all got money. Y'all the you cash really money billionaires. Cash money. You were right. called cash money. <laughs> right, right. You know, I like, I was, I was telling baby, I was telling BG, I was telling Lil Wayne, whoever came with the entourage at the party, I'll let you in free, but the rest of these fools, they got to pay something. Mm. And so it was, it was just, but it was nothing but love. And it's funny in this darkened room, 
you could find my friends because I'll be whenever they smile, their teeth would light up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, uh, it was just funny. I mean, it was it was just all this craziness and all these stories that you know. In retrospect, when they happen, you're like, oh, this is normal. This is just my life. But in retrospect, you're like, damn, that really happened. So, but no, yeah. um, God has blessed me. Um, but even in those spaces, um, they would call me the Holy Hot Boy. That's where the name came from, my little mm-hmm. moniker from yeah. Manny Fresh, um, along okay. with another one. You know, that's awesome. That's awesome. That is awesome. That's oh my gosh, that's that seriously, that is amazing. Thank you for sharing that. So yeah. let's back that thing up a little bit and talk about. Oh no, your we ain't up on here. Oh no. <laughs> so rumors get started. Listen, it's only funny if you if you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> so let's talk about your hometown. Mm-hmm. What are your favorite things about New Orleans? Oh man! All right, three things: uh, the people specifically um my kids like i said from my neighborhood uh two the food you know if uh, you can't tell but yes i like the food uh and three uh my home parish st peter clay amazing that's okay one one more one more i forgot Mm -hmm. those for uh my culture the uh black mask and indians otherwise uh, more popularly known as the mardi gras indians so Mm -hmm. you know and that's yeah that's that's popular and that's important to me Sacred. So can, can you say a little bit more about the Mardi Gras Indians? I know All I've right. heard you talk about it before in another podcast and I don't, yeah. um, I was, I didn't know about it. Yeah. So if you Google them, you know, the popular word is Mardi Gras Indians, but some of us prefer to be called the black masking Indians, Mardi Gras, because it associates us with the culture mm-hmm. of the day. Um, and we come out on Mardi Gras day with these new suits that we take a year to make. So goes back to the time of uh, slavery uh, because of the mutual oppression between our enslaved ancestors and uh, the indigenous, and I also mm-hmm. have Choctaw lineage in me, um, they would look out for one another. On Sundays, Congo Square, in my neighborhood, Treme, the oldest neighborhood in New Orleans, Congo Square resides there. And we're in a fight to protect it because they're trying to move City Hall there now. You know, that's a whole mess going on right now. Mm-mm. But be- on Sundays, because of the Code Noir and French law, uh, that regulated the lives of Black folks in New Orleans. Um, on Sunday, nobody was supposed to work. The slave owners would go to the French Quarter and the enslaved ancestors would gather mm-hmm. in Congo Square, sharing culture. So if you were from East Africa, you would bring your music, West Africa, Caribbean, whatever. And that's how jazz came about. But also in that gathering, they would share culture and even stories of oppression. They would connect with one another. So the indigenous, if an enslaved ancestor would run away, and they would come to the bayous where the indigenous were pushed out. Mm-hmm. Uh, those tribes would take them in and make them part of the tribes, especially the women and children, because mm-hmm. of their shared oppression against, uh, you know, the European and British onslaught, you know, and all those things that were going on, the colonizing in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And so um, to honor that culture, we make these suits. And so if you Google it, the feathers and the headdresses are owed to the Native Americans, the beadwork. So these are individual beads that make these patches, which takes a year along with the music I drum for my tribe, are African. So it's a combination mm. of both cultures on Mardi Gras Day. And it used to be in the Black neighborhoods because we weren't really welcome at the big Mardi Gras parades back mm-hmm. in the day because of segregation, just whatever going on in the South. <clears throat> and so we honor that lineage by continuing this. My tribe is known as the Wild Chapatulas. So if you, some of our older people may have heard of the Neville Brothers or the Meters, the funk bands, they came from us yes. as part of our tribe. Uh, in fact, 
the Neville brothers, their uncle was the founding chief of our tribe, Wild Chapatulas. And the term Chapatulas is a Choctaw term that means uh, river people. And that's what New Orleans was called before they called it New Orleans, Chapatulas, mm. Chachuma Chapatulas. So um, yeah, so that's my culture in a nutshell. Um, and uh, it's very something that just as my church and my faith and my culture are, but that specific culture is sacred to me and my people as well. And it's being threatened to be lost every time there's a hurricane and rapid gentrification and people being pushed out of New Orleans. Mm -hmm. And there's new New Orleans that people think it's all about fun and games and not realizing some of the stuff that you enjoy are actually the culture of the people that are there. Something that's sacred and not for just fun. No, that, yeah, I, um, I really, I love that. I also, um, just knowing more about like since Hurricane Katrina, a lot of New Orleans has really come to the forefront front understanding like what people have created and things like that. So in the last like 15, 16 years, there's no excuse not to know what has come out of your hometown and what ha- what's added to the culture and the richness of it and how that's affecting like pop culture that we take in every day, um, like bounce music, like Big Frida and you know, like when, oh, are you, are you shaking your head? Do you not like Big Frida? No, I, I used to live in uh, near her, one of her dancers. So yeah, she was always around. <laughs> it was crazy. Okay. So in an apartment complex a long time ago. Um, Go ahead. I really love Big Frida. And that just made, <laughs> Shannon just looked, Shannon was like, oh my gosh. I Listen, she's part of my wake up. She's part of like that. Like, I, I'm not kidding. I'm just saying it's part of my wake up music um that we will not share on the podcast (laughs) but i'm just saying (laughs) it's kind of amazing so i was like like big freedom (laughs) anyway no i love it i um i love learning more about this culture and its life and and how black culture is not a monolith right Mm -hmm. i'm a black person and i'm learning more things and um i'm really i'm just grateful for technology that we have the understanding and we have the ability to know more about other people. So New Orleans as even like being where you're from and the hometown also of Big Frida. um, It is also one of the cradles of black Catholic life in America. So can you tell us a little bit more about your life as a black Catholic in the city and what are some distinctive traditions that come from the region? Like St. Peter Cleaver, I'm sure is a huge part, like influence of your black Catholic life. Yeah. Um, so when you look at New Orleans, and this is what's probably more recent because things have developed and changed over generations in time. Because when I was running the Office of Black Catholics, I would try to get some of our folks that got comfortable uh, in life and ministry and status quo way of thinking. I think about how excited our four parents and four, you know, those that came before us, our ancestors were when they were building these Black Catholic churches. When mm-hmm. St. Catherine Drexel came down, to New Orleans to build a Xavier University because we couldn't go to the Loyolas or any other universities that were there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, right now we have the headquarters of uh, the Knights of Peter Claver and Ladies Auxiliary in my neighborhood. You know, yeah. it's there in New Orleans, uh, the largest Black Catholic lay organization in the world, you know, is headquartered there. Then you have the three Black Catholic high schools, uh, St. Catherine Drexel Prep, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that was founded by St. Catherine Drexel early on. It's now run by the former alumni. You have St. Mary's Academy, all girl, another all-girls Black Catholic school run by the, the Holy Family. And then you have um, St. Augustine High School for all Black males uh, run by the Josephites, created and run by the Josephites. Then you have uh, one of the six on the road to canonization, 
Venerable Mother Honoria DeLeo, who founded the Sister Holy Family, yes. who had a hand in raising me, who I'm a part of, proud to say I'm a part, a proud member of. But she grew up in our neighborhood, Treme, and ministered in our neighborhood. And the church that she attended and professed her faith in, St. Augustine Church, probably the oldest uh, Black Catholic church in the country, founded by free people of color, other Black folks, so that our enslaved ancestors to worship in dignity um, is there in Treme. Um, then you add to it, you know, and this is why I'm so adamant about the way I profess my faith in regards to creating so, social justice and being that thorn in the side in a lot of these white Catholic organizations around the country that, you know, tolerate me, you know, is the fact that, you know, the civil rights movement, Homer Plessy, a black Catholic, um, the Plessy versus Ferguson, you know, that was initiated by the St. Augustine community in that area in Treme Amazing. to create a better way of life. So even you add to the revolts, the celebrations, whether it's the second lines that we have, the brass band music, um, all this ties into us expressing ourselves, our culture and our faith in a unique way and not letting other societies or other people or other cultures tell us how we need to be ourselves. And unfortunately, since Katrina, especially, New Orleans has always been a hot topic in the world, you know, because we're a unique city in and of itself. But especially since Katrina, the powers that be have come in and displaced people, gentrification, houses that were in my community um, before the storm were probably 75, 95,000, those double shotguns. Now they're going for half a million or more, you know, and we can't afford that. We're not getting those salaries, you know, um, than locals. And so that's a threat to the reason why, one of the main reasons why St. Peter Claver School closed, an Afrocentric Catholic school. The uniforms were kente cloth. Uh, you walked in the school, you saw images of Black people, not just Black Catholics, but Black people like uh, mm -hmm. <clears throat> the Malcolm X's and all this stuff. So our kids were taught this whole self type mm -hmm. stuff, you know, so they could learn and grow to be their whole authentic self. Um, yeah. You know, and so I'm wondering in how many years from now, mm -hmm. if my church will be there. We just made 100 wow. in 2020 during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, it's just those realities of yeah. what's going on. So when I talk about my culture, that's why I'm so adamant in a lot of these Catholic circles and non-Catholic circles um, about what are you doing for us? Because guess what? We've been doing for y'all for a long time. Y'all yeah. benefited from that. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's those challenges that are there. So. Wow. That's, um, that's awesome. Like, I'm just like, I was like, oh yeah, I guess I'm an interviewer. <laughs> I'm just listening <laughs> to you tell your story. And no, I, I, I really just... appreciate that. Go ahead, Jan. Um, yeah, I was just thinking about that. Having grown up, you know, in a city like Chicago, where there are strong Black Catholic communities as well, it's just so different, I think, to hear that for those of us who are in the North, because um, for the most part, there weren't Black people are there because of the migration, you know, mm -hmm. the Great Migration. And so we brought our culture with us. We brought our um, ways of practicing faith, but especially in Catholic circles, there's not that history. I mean, think about it, 400 years almost of history in New Orleans of Black Catholics celebrating. It's not the same as, you know, a couple hundred maybe <laughs> in, in other places. And so, um, you know, when I think, you know, I was doing my graduate work up in Chicago, but we had professors coming in from Xavier, um, you know, from Zula and um, just teaching all of this history and all of this culture that's so, um, you know, like elemental, elemental to, to the celebration of the faith. Um, and in a way that 
unfortunately, because of our, our history, most of us as black Catholics don't get to, to have, uh, we don't get to have those, those hundreds of years of creating our own spaces and our own beauty. And, and really like, uh, Marcia, my favorite word, enculturating, um, you know, and, and so I'm so grateful for institutions like the Institute for Black Catholic Studies that, um, you know, can help all of us as Black Catholics around oh, this country to really engage with and celebrate our cultural, um, sort of pan-African cultural um, realities uh, in this church. And so, yeah, it's just a beautiful thing. Yeah, and, I, and I think that's what I see as a challenge right now. <clears throat> And it's, I hate to knock knock people, but a lot of our, uh, it hasn't been passed down, you know? And so even these young black uh, ministry leaders that are coming up don't understand the importance of culture. Mm-hmm. They get theology because mm-hmm. that's what they're taught in the seminaries or that's what they're taught in the, um, you know, programs that they're studying in, but they don't understand culture, you know? And so they don't understand that this is the fight that, <clears throat> our ancestors and elders have had to keep this as a gift to us. But once it's, they t- we take it for granted, mm-hmm. you know, even like I was staying in New Orleans, I'm like, do y'all not realize what we have here with the Xavier, with the three high schools, the Knights of Peter mm-hmm. Claver, you know, and just our, even our history, St. Augustine church, St. Peter Claver and all, uh, you know, um, and people, because until it's gone, we don't realize. And that's what I'm trying to fight to help people realize before we lose it. Cause I see it as yeah. things go on in, in this church, you know, what, is valued and what isn't valued. Yeah. So now you've said that and I, I have a question and you can choose not to answer it. Um, do you think it's intentionally erasure or do you think that it's just yes. not like people just aren't considering that? I think it's intentional because when you really address, because if you go to Xavier, if you go to these spaces, you know, one of the main topics in a lot of these spaces is the injustices that have been done to us you know, by um, the church as an institution, a mm-hmm. white institution. Yes. Um, and many of those people in leadership don't want to deal with it. And many of these new black leaders don't want to make white people uncomfortable. And so they don't address mm-hmm. it. You know, as, as uh, like I said, my mentor, Father Brian Maskell says, we need to stop centering our conversations on the comfortability of comfort of white people and yes. really address mm-hmm. the issues. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that's what we continue to do. And so you re- see these new um people in ministry leadership, whether it's in a diocesan level or even in clergy or whatever, and they don't want to make their colleagues or the ones that train them uncomfortable. And thus, mm-hmm. sometimes it just adds to the problem because they'll be the ones put at the forefront and the story doesn't get told, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and the I issues was, don't get addressed or resolved. Yep. Yeah. I was just in conversation with someone recently and we were talking about, um, so many things like code switching and a lot of other things are done for the comfort of white people. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, it's important though for them to be uncomfortable. It's their discomfort is important, right? Um, it doesn't matter. Like as a black woman, as black people, we're always always going to be uncomfortable, right? We're in this situation that wasn't created for us, and we're constantly trying to like fight this uphill battle and create spaces for ourselves. Mm-hmm. The only difference is that our discomfort, like their discomfort, will bring growth. Our discomfort mm-hmm. will bring death, and that is kind of and that's where we are. And you are right. Like, that's why I just, I have to ask, I'm like, I, yeah, there's a part of it where no one wants to be uncomfortable if they can control it. And at some point your discomfort is a choice. And I think that you're doing really great work in making sure that 
the like black culture is still brought to the forefront as it pertains to the body of Christ and the church and our growth. I, I think that I think expanding on black culture and making sure to teach black culture and what it is can only help everyone, mm-hmm. right? Like it, it's a benefit to everyone because we're here. We make up the church. We didn't, we're, we're part of the church, right? <laughs> like this yeah. whole, there was this great, um, I was just in a meeting and what was the, there's a lady, what is sister Debbie Bo, uh, Borman said that we have to understand the full cultural wealth of our church. Mm-hmm. And like, it was like in a conversation, we we're trying to like have mm-hmm. some like diversity language. And that's what she <laughs> says, like full cultural wealth. And I was like, mm-hmm. yes, like how poor is our church when we don't invite these conversations and invite that cultural wealth? You know, uh, there was a high school in New Orleans, a white high school, majority white, uh, St. Mary's Dominican high school, right next to the chancery. Right. And they, mm-hmm wanted to do a Juneteenth celebration this past year since Juneteenth got made a national holiday. I have my own reservations about that. But oh, um, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so um, but you know, I said I would go and present and I s- s- talked about some of the aspects of our Catholic faith that people don't realize. Like we had three popes that were of African descent in our history. You know, we've have five active African-American bishops in the church. Uh, the first recorded documented uh, black Catholics were in the Congo in 1491 in recent history, you know, mm-hmm. of course, you know, go to Bible. There's a whole slew of them. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, uh, <laughs> and so now I'm telling the lady, you know, the ladies that were there that were in my workshop, cause it was mostly virtual, but they had a couple that were there from the administration and they were like, Oh my God, we didn't know this. We didn't know this, yep. which is a true, you know, sin of omission, you know, from our church leadership and, you know, uh, the resources that are put out and different things like that. But my told, what I challenged them is now, you know, what are you going to do with it? So, and uh-huh. I think that's the thing about the church. Now, you know, and now you're learning or now you have opportunities to learn stuff that you don't know. What are you going to do with it? Yeah. That's and yes. <laughs> to add to that. Um, I think we don't think as a church often, and I say this as a light skinned person who works in a white parish in an affluent area, we don't think about the ways that our predominantly European style of worship, of being in ministry, of being church in America, um, do not invite, at the very least, do not invite, if not outright, um, make people of color, especially black people, feel uncomfortable in our church. Um, and we won't go into like the whole history of the many instances of racism in, in the American church. But, um, you know, I think one of the, like, if you're just looking at from like a very utilitarian perspective, right, which is like a really stupid way to look at this because we are all part of the body of Christ. So celebrate people, but right. If you're just looking at it from a utilitarian perspective, if we lose black Catholic representation, if we lose black Catholic culture in the universal church, then we're losing an avenue of evangelization for the many, many black people in America. And we're losing their ability to see themselves having a place in our church um, if they're not already here. And so um, the cynical part of me is like, hey, if that's the only thing that's going to convince you, like, then take that. But, um, but you know, um, we're, we are 13% of the U.S. population and it's certainly not true that we're 13% of the American Catholic church. So um, we have to examine, I think what we're doing wrong as a, as a church 
and say, we need to change, right? And we need to hang on to this because um, God, the gospel is for everyone. And if we're rejecting a group simply because we think that that group is um, too different or is not like, uh, you know, the one thing I hate to hear is, you know, oh, that's not sacred or that's not reverent or that's not pious. Um, that's not Catholic. Period. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> that, that just drives me nuts. <laughs> um, and so like when, when we say things like that, we're betraying the fact that we have a norm in mind for what Catholic yeah. means. Um, I could share this, uh, you know, and I, I use this as an example. Like I'm wondering if the church even wants us here still. Would they even miss us if we were gone? Mm. You know, because they've set up this, especially the church in the U.S. Um, they've set up this mindset of, like you said, what is holy and what isn't. You know, culture in and of itself isn't seen as holy as uh, Eurocentric models of, you know, faith expressions and different things like that. But I go back 16 years ago and I share this with some of the uh, white youth ministers of some of the challenges that have been there. You know, we're evacuated in Houston. You know, uh, when I finally got out there, I went to Florida first when I could get a ride because my truck was stolen the Wednesday before Hurricane Katrina hit from you group. Oh so I had no God. way out. It is wow. what it is. Oh so we gosh. got out there. Then I ended up in Houston where most of our uh, people were at. And I had a rental car, got a rental car. And I'm locating where my youth ministry kids are in different parts of Houston, you know, when phone service started working or whatever. And so Houston's big. And so I'm driving this Hyundai Elantra, one of the coupes. And I picked up like maybe eight, nine kids and they're all stuck in this. Like, you know Listen, what I'm saying? Listen, we will make a way. We make a way. I'm right. just saying. I'm just right. saying. And so, you know, they were like, you know, just wanting to uh, connect and, you know, with each other. And so I said, but we're going to church first. And we walked into this church in uh, one of the suburbs of Houston. And so 10 of us walking in, it's just like, you know, the music stopped, the record stopped, time froze and everybody's looking at us. Like, what are you doing here? You know, and, you know, it was even during the uh, Our Father and Signs of Peace, it was those uncomfortable moments, you know, and people wondering, you know, one, you know, because it was big news, everybody assumed we're from New Orleans, but just the shock that we were Catholic was a whole nother thing. Mm -hmm. and, um, and you get that over and over again. And so, you know, what I've seen happen sometimes is you have these young people that are raised in this way, right? But to, if they want to work in ministry, they have to, like you said, not only code switch, but faith switch almost, mm -hmm. you know, out of the culture just to be ex uh -huh. accepted and relevant in uh, in a wider Catholic church. And that's a problem for me, you know? Um, and so yeah. I see it happening. It's like, does the church even want us here still? Uh, because like I said, when you shine the light on us, there's a reflection that goes back on the church and what they haven't done or have done mm -hmm. to cause us to be in the situations that we're mm -hmm. in. Well, they want us, but do they want us as we are, mm. as our full black selves? Like, mm -hmm. that is why Sister Thea Boma, when she addressed the bishop, she's like, I can't. Like, this is my full black self. Like, do you want or do you just want that, like, check the diversity box, mm -hmm. right? There are a ton of people that say, oh, we're super diverse. And I go, no, no, you have a diverse population, but you are not diverse. Mm -hmm. I've had to check people about that before, where it's like, unless there's some cultural inclusion, unless mm -hmm. you are open to understanding, understanding how you can help include people and merge, you know, merge the cultures, then no, you are yeah. not diverse. So I think the church, like on paper, the church wants us, but yeah. in practice, they don't. Right. They don't. 
That's a real, like we, we talked about this. I wrote it in my article when I wrote for Catholic Herald about my baptism, which we still have not talked about how like officially on the podcast, how <laughs> I learned my baptism was invalid. And then I had to go right. back and fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a time frame where I was like, is this my out? Because they don't want me anyway. Right. right? And that's kind right. of where I was like, is this, do I leave now? Right. And so I hear what you're saying. They, they want us, but they don't want us as we are. Mm-hmm. Right. You're right. You're right. And uh, even even with like post George Floyd murder, all of a sudden, several of these national Catholic organizations, which I was seen as the thorn in the side and they would tolerate all of a sudden wanted me to help put together their anti-racism mm-hmm. statements, plans, this, that, mm-hmm. and other. And I was like, so what happens after the it's it's not popular anymore to talk about this? Mm-hmm. Well, we're yeah. going to commit. We're going to commit. We're going to commit. And mm-hmm. it is what it is. And I ain't heard from them since the hurricane, you know, the check. But it's just that mindset, you know, mm-hmm. when it's the hot topic, it's OK. Not realizing if the bishops are saying this is America's original sin, racism, mm-hmm. that we need to address it because it affects everything it. else, you know, from pro-life on down. So, yeah. oh, gosh, yeah. and they also need to pay you. Do they pay you? We better have paid you. Don't take our, our emotional labor is not free. Everybody, I'm just saying. I didn't have you as my agent at the time. So, <laughs> All right. I, that's what we need. Understand? She's a high girl. girl. Like I, like I am on it. No, seriously, I tell people all the time. Like, are you going to pay me? Okay, right. right. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna need you to honor my lifestyle as well. <laughs> right. I'm gonna need a few more PSLs. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, thank you. <laughs> These large sweaters and scarves aren't gonna buy themselves. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> oh, I just bought a sweater um, at Target. I did. And you, you know this Marcia, but I like, I have yellow. I'm, I'm as I, as I would say, high yellow. Um, I have, yeah, it's true. <laughs> I have yellow undertones in my skin, so I can't wear most yellows, but Target had a light yellow sweater and I bought it and I'm so excited. And it's so there you go. Oh, of course and I don't, I can wear whatever pants I want. It's great. Anyway, thank you. So, you have to pass so that Shannon can buy all of her sweaters. And then, you know, also that, you know, we can live because living is super important. Mm-hmm. Yes. So okay. I am, um, now that we brought a super important race conversation to fashion, um, let's, 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 let's uh, come back to what we're talking about uh, to New Orleans, to New Orleans and Louisiana. So speaking about racial disparity, um, and the hurricanes and things like that. We know, well, the racial disparity and racism and things like that, but we know Louisiana has been hard, hit hard by another major hurricane. Um, like just this past week, right? It's been it's been within two within two weeks. It was correct? last, yeah, it was August 28th and 29th. You made landfall okay. the 28th and it just rolled through till the 29th. Yeah. And there's another <laughs> one that's coming, right? Or is it it's going toward Florida? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and so we know this in the news and we see this and it's devastating. And um, I will never forget watching the the coverage of Katrina and then then watching like as this happens and over social media, how it's affecting people in real time that I might know or follow. Um, other than just knowing and praying, what are some other ways that we as Catholics can support our brothers and sisters who have been affected by the storm? Like what are some tan, like tangible ways, like thoughts and prayers are great. They're fantastic. But what are, like, what can we do? Like what, how, yeah. How do we do that? Yeah. Uh, and that's why when you asked before we started, you know, how am I feeling? I, I'm tired. So I've been on zoom meetings like this with 
mayor, city officials, uh, and even people from around the country and even phone calls from people back home that are struggling um, and just different things like that. And it's tiring. Mm-hmm. It's tiring because you yeah. see this is election. We're supposed to have elections in October that they move down to November. So people, politicians are using uh-huh. this as a way to politic yeah. and be out there in the communities yeah. that they were hardly in before. Um, and then I'm holding them accountable because you're doing these services like come to Tad Gormley football stadium to get food. Well, if they couldn't evacuate because of lack of transportation, and if these are elderly, how are they going to get to this? Uh, some of our cultural communities, like I said, the, the Indians, the Mardi Gras, black masking Indians, the baby dolls, uh, the musicians, all these things that make New Orleans so popular. <clears throat> think about it. A year of pandemic has prevented them from gigging mm-hmm. in certain places. Yeah. So they didn't have the money because yeah. evacuation costs gas. Yeah. Hot lodging, those kind. If you don't have it, I'm just gonna write it out. You know, yeah. I stayed because of you know. By the time we secured the church and different things like that, it was almost too late to get on the road. You yeah. know, and they were shutting things down to leave the city. So that's why we ended up staying and leaving the day after the storm passed. Thank God we survived. You know, mm-hmm. but what I have been doing is when I'm getting these calls and nonstop and like we're not getting the food, we're not getting the resources. FEMA's not paying for the hotels like they said they would. I started giving money that I had out of my own pocket, you know, to help people. But then someone's, you know, I, I hate being that person to ask. I'm not an ask, I'm a doer. But someone said, this is not about you. It's about, you know, a greater cause. Yeah. I, I put out that plea to ask people to send money. You know, I, I gave my, my PayPal, not, yeah, my PayPal, my Cash App and my Venmo. And people from around the world started donating money that as soon as I would get like a $300 donation, I'm sending it to, uh, a family that um, that's needing a hotel room because they, you know, mm-hmm. call hotels were two hundred, you know, dollars a night in Houston or Biloxi. Price gouging was really happening. Oh, you know, in New Orleans, there was oh, some angry. some people selling eight dollars a gallon uh, gas. You know, because it that's was not okay, need, right? But that's what's happening. Some of these stores that are finally opening up, grocery stores are raising prices because there's a need. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just the evilness that's going on. So people, and these are poor people that are affected yeah. by this. Yeah. Most, you know. Because they're not um, the ones who have the money to leave. Yeah. Right. And, and if people stayed, you know what I'm saying? They, mm. they, if they, they had money, you know, they good, you know, in, in some way, shape or form. So I've been raising money to help with that. Um, a couple of days ago, DMX's manager, former manager, reached out to me along with mm-hmm. uh, Trey The Truth, um, the rapper from Houston. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. They're right now because of the not and it's not because of me. It's just the connections that happen. They're sending two 18 wheelers of supplies down in New Orleans, but they're connected with the people that I'm connected with. So it goes to the people that can't go to the other things. So, but that came from some of the work that we're doing and just reaching out to send that plea. And someone said, you need to contact this man, Dr. Augustine. And Mm -hmm. we talk uh, to make that happen. Um, So right now, the way people can help uh, with their still needs there, people, even though the power is coming on, some not everybody has power, so getting ice to people that need to put their insulin on uh, in in the food in on ice, cool, um, even food so it before it spoils, you know, um, type of yeah. stuff. Even uh, some people that are still trying to rebuild, you know, it's, it's slow. You know, uh-huh. the help is coming, but it's slow. FEMA they rejected me. You know what I'm saying? Not that I, right. you know, but I, you know, there's rejecting people all across mm-hmm. the board for just whatever reasons. That's um, not okay. Yeah, but so. As I said, this money is not for me, but it's to help people, um, you know, and uh, that's just the way it is. Just as with any institution, church people, 
God bless them. You know, they're pretty much helped through the churches. Churches, that's who the, people have connections with. People are connected with in those parishes and stuff. Like we're at Peter Claver have been collecting gift cards to give to our parishioners, you know, mm-hmm. Walmart, mm-hmm. Walgreens and uh, Visa. So they could do what they need to do mm-hmm. housing wise mm-hmm. or just whatever, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm worried about the people that aren't connected to the churches yeah. aren't able to get out the most vulnerable, but yet the ones that the city makes million or state makes millions and millions of dollars off of because of the culture, but mm-hmm. there's right. little help for them even on when there isn't a storm. So yeah. um, that's, that's what I'm talking about. The way people can help, you know, other than prayer and we need prayer. I think, yes. you know, prayers that have yes. kept me from uh, killing half the people, you know, and going <laughs> off with people that don't understand True. how serious this prayers is. Prayers have um, saved other people's lives. <laughs> you know, tell you, you know, it, it's like, you here's know. the thing. Money will keep them alive. Prayers will keep other people alive. Man, let me tell you. <laughs> I mean, so, let's keep, we're a pro, pro-life. Hashtag pro-life for the whole life. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Amen. So, so in a nutshell, I guess if I could think of anything, that's 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 where I'm at with it trying to help yeah and we will be sharing that information we'll share that information in the show notes of this episode and we'll also share on our podcast um on our stories for instagram as um yeah for our stories for instagram and we'll make sure that people understand how they can donate um Mm -hmm. and make that happen and help some people in need i think it's really really important right now Mm -hmm. we all like I think that sometimes we don't recognize how much more we have to give um, because we're so used to things that keep us comfortable. And like I said, um, we can, we can stand a little discomfort sometimes Mm -hmm. and, and we can make sure that we are, that we are giving. So thank you so much for being here. We've got like, we've got got one more thing, but like, I, I love this conversation. I've loved it. And it's so funny to, to have someone on the show who has never been on the show, doesn't know about it. And it's like, (laughs) y'all are crazy and basic. So guess we are. Welcome. (laughs) I hope that you've enjoyed it. (laughs) In honor of uh, Michael Constantine who passed away yesterday. Opa. <laughs> Opa. Yes. I know. Gosh, I'm still so sad about that. We didn't even address that at the top of the show. Uh, just so you know, Angela, my big Frederick wedding is one of our podcast movies. We, okay. we make a reference to it almost every single episode. And Michael Constantine, who played Gus, the patriarch of the mm. Porter Collis family, he passed away. Mm. And so now we're, we're just kind of like, we're a little bit in like our podcast, Grandpapa, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little bit sad for us. Like we cannot fix this with Windex, but we will be, we will be okay. <laughs> so, um, so before we, before we say goodbye, this is the lot, like, um, just like the offertory toward the end of the mass, we have our offertory at the, towards the end of our show. And we want to, this is the part of the show where we offer things that we want to say that we're enjoying, loving, that think other people should too. And I will go ahead and start. Um, and you maybe some more time to think about that, Ansel. Um, one of the couple of things, one of the things I want to offer is, well, two things are completely free, and which is usually not it's not usual no. for me. We're <laughs> usually telling you to spend money, yeah. Right. So one thing that I've loved, like so Instagram is my favorite social media platform. Um, I don't really, well, also like I scroll through TikToks, but Instagram, the one that I engage in the most is Instagram. And two things I'm really loving right now is one, deciding like what I want to follow and what I want to see. And I want to say, like, I know people follow people, 
but start following hashtags. Like there are some hashtags that you follow. And like, I like one that I follow is Megan Markle. I follow Megan Markle hashtag. Um, I also have a few, you know, other hashtags, but I think following hashtags when you want to learn more about a certain thing, um, sometimes you may not know what accounts to follow to um, understand better about certain issues, things going on, start following hashtags, right? Follow hashtag and you'll get to like find more accounts and find more people and more things that interest you and more things that will expand your mind. Uh, The second one is following fandom accounts, like lean into your fandoms, just lean into it. Um, I follow several like Harry Potter accounts and well, Taylor Swift and, you know, like different books that like Jane Austen. I follow a ton of Jane Austen book accounts and things like that. So just lean into your fandoms and engage with those. Like those are, those have been two things that have really been just really helping my social media engagement and enjoyment. The next one this weekend, Labor Day weekend, past weekend, I saw Shang-Chi and the 10 rings and y'all, it is amazing. Okay. It is a full Asian cast, like full, like I am I mean, there are some white people because, you know, they have to, it's Marvel. They won't allow, like, I mean, (laughs) but it wasn't like Black Panther where they still needed a white person in the main cast, which irritated me, (laughs) but this was all like, all, and it was Chinese, like it was real. And, and, and there were, um, even though they're some of the same people, they were different Asian people from crazy rich Asians, just saying, because Crazy Rich Asians was like, we need all the people from the Joy Luck Club. <laughs> and this one is like, and like it, you guys are so good. I'm going to see it again. Like, I'm probably going to go see it this weekend. I'm just letting you know. And that's where we are. Angela, you're ready? Or you, you yeah. still need some time? No, I'm good. Uh, I guess uh, my offering would be, uh, like I said, I like Marvel movies, but uh, the, uh, the Disney Plus series, What If? Man, yeah. I was just like, man, this is crazy. So I guess if my uh, dead downtime where I just want to just, you know, get away from whatever and uh, I can't go to the movies or can't go to the gym or whatever, I just pop that on, you know. And last night I watched the episode, the last episode. I was like, man, this is crazy. So just the creativity uh, of it and just different things like that. So I recommend the Marvel What If series on Disney Plus. I am a like very like fair weather Marvel fan I'm fair weather sports fan. <laughs> I'm, a fair weather fan. I'm like oh sure I'll go see the Avengers with you um and that's yeah, just I don't, like I love it but um I just I feel like I don't have time to do much anymore. And so I've got to like be specific about my pulp culture consumption. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see a movie like four times a year with my husband. So. Like, and when the Fantastic Beast movies come out, we go together. Yeah. So there's true. that. That's true. <laughs> we make time for that. Uh, no, just today I'm recommending two things. Um, actually both black things because, you know, let's do that. And we're talking about black Catholics. Let's talk about black Catholics. Uh, the first is a, um, Instagram account called black saints matter. It was recommended yes. to me when I was trying to get some new follows. I just needed to diversify my feed a little bit. And so, um, they are doing sketches of different black saints from all, all of history, 
Um, and it's just wonderful. Like I, I know um, all the Americans who are um, in, in the process of canonization and some of the big African saints, but there's so many more that I didn't know about. Um, so it's been really fun to learn about those. And then the second Can I thing- really quick, yeah. it's actually going to be a graphic novel. Like he's going to make it into a graphic novel and it's amazing. Like the, yes. So yeah. Anyway, not next thing. We'll follow that. <laughs> and then the second thing uh, is also a black owned business, uh, which is uh, black and bold coffee. It's BLK and bold coffee. Uh, they sell it at Target, which is where I mm-hmm. got it because I live it's like two seconds from a Target. Um, and Target, I will give them props, is trying to promote black owned businesses. So it's really good coffee. And you know, I love coffee. So um, it's really gold, good. It is black and bold. Um, although I get the light roast, but even that's bold. And um, it's just been a nice pick me up in the morning. So um, even if you don't like coffee and you don't want to buy that, support black owned businesses. Well, awesome. Well, that's our show. We did it. Um, we want to say thank you so much again, Dr. Ansel Augustine, for joining us on the show, for talking to us about your life, your hometown, and ways to support it. We want to thank all of you listeners in advance for helping Dr. Augustine and his community for what they may need. Shannon, I want to thank you again for being such an amazing co-host and keeping me in line as much as you can. <laughs> Thank you, too. Right back at you. <laughs> Please remember you, that you can follow us on Instagram at PSBB Podcast. You can follow me at Stylish Lucia. You can follow Shannon at Team Quarter Black. And Dr. Ansel, can we follow you on Instagram? Uh, my Instagram acts up, but uh, you could also check out the website, uh, blackfaithmatters.com, which has more info on my neighborhood and my church. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's where you can find you. You can email us at platskirtsandbasicblack at gmail.com. Visit our website, www.psbbpodcast.com. Our spreadshirt at shop.spreadshirt.com slash podcast And our Patreon www.patreon.com slash podcast. Oh my gosh. I just said all of that from memory. We have a lot of things. <laughs> we have a lot of things. Thank you again. We will see you all next week on our actual mid-season premiere where we talk about Brandy Cinderella, and it's going to be amazing. Have a great time, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you.